From the EBKV studios in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, you're listening to Brotherly Pod, the official podcast of BrotherlyPuck.com. Welcome, everybody, to the Angry and Negative Show. This is episode two. I am your host, Negative Dan. With me, he is the angry to my negative, Mr. Angry Jim. How are you doing tonight, Jim? I'm awesome, Dan. It's always an honor to be in, uh, be in your presence. Well, that's right. It should be. I'm great. <laughs> Speaking of great, the Philadelphia Flyers have been great lately. They are currently on an eight-game win streak. They have beat Minnesota, Boston, Montreal, Winnipeg, Rangers, Boston again, Edmonton, and Vancouver. Now, this is the second episode of the Angry and Negative Show, but this is actually our third show together. You were a guest on Brotherly Pod during the All-Star break. And on that show, you predicted that the Flyers would be undefeated the rest of the season. And <laughs> since then... They are 6-0. and So uh, while we're here, just between you and me, do you want to give me any Powerball numbers since you can predict the future? <laughs> Not on the air. Maybe after the show I'll give them to you. Okay. <laughs> so uh, what do you make of the Flyers right now in their win streak? So I don't mean to be like uh, the negative guy here because they do look great. It's my job. You know? You're angry. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there's not much for me to be angry about. Um, they're on an eight-game win streak. The, the season was pretty much uh, a wash before this. Um, suddenly, we have uh, all kinds of hope. We're looking towards the playoffs. That you know, I'm counting down points, things like that, watching other games. Um, but then I looked in a little bit more, and I see Carter Hart played seven of the eight games of the win streak. You know, he's playing outstanding. He's playing out of his mind, um, and he looks great while doing it. But then I see 38 saves, 39 saves. 33, 31. Stolarz was in there for 38 saves, uh, 23 saves against Boston, 40 saves against Edmonton, uh, 42 saves against Vancouver. Uh, something's got to tighten up. They got to tighten up a little bit on on the defense, and I, I think some of that, uh, at least what I've seen, is they're still starting a little bit slow in some of these games. Uh, case in point, you could say the Edmonton game. I think they they trailed for most of that game if I remember correctly, and they, they ended up coming back and, and winning in overtime. Yep. Um, so this is, I'm just touching on the negative stuff here because there's a lot of positives, but um, they're giving up way, way too many shots. Uh, I know Carter Hart is, is a god. He's the savior. Um, he can handle it, I think, but the, he's a 20-year-old kid in his first pro season. Uh, I don't, you, you mentioned in the last show uh, him starting too many games in a row. Um they can't. They can't keep giving up 40 shots a game. Uh, it's gonna. I think it's gonna wear him out. It's gonna wear him down. Uh, it just can't happen. So in order for them to continue the streak, I think the defense absolutely has to tighten up somehow. Um, what do What do you think? What do you What have you seen during the win streak? Yeah, I think you pretty much hit it right on the head. I think their overall play from their individual players has stepped up. Patrick and Couturier and Konechny and uh, Sanheim. You know, a lot of, obviously Carter Hart has looked great too. But, you know, the team is kind of progressing very slowly. But, they, you know, old habits die hard. And they are allowing a lot of shots. You know, I think they are confident because they have Carter Hart that they're not going to get destroyed like they would if, you know, New Earth was in net or something. But... Again, I just don't think that Hart should be 
being fed to the Lions this early. I mean, he's playing well, but goddamn, this team needs to play well in front of him. The first uh, two games I think he played, I don't remember who they were against. One of them was against Carolina, and um, the team played really, really hard in front of him for like two or three games. Then he had a couple stinkers, another game against Carolina in that week there, and but, you know, Carter Hart looks good, but again, I think you're right. I just don't think he should be as heavily worked as he should be. You know, we've seen this issue in the past where Mason would play an ungodly amount of games in a row or almost in a row with minor breaks in between. He would get to the playoffs and he would just be absolutely gassed and he would look really bad even though his season was really good because he played so many games down the stretch. And I think that we're seeing that again with Carter Hart. Now, it's not going to be on this scale this season because there's not a whole lot of games left. There's uh, 29 games left. So, you know, there's not a whole lot of chance to really do a whole lot of uh, damage to him. But again, I think in the long term, in the future, this is definitely a problem that needs to be addressed. Yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. I mean, 42 shots, 40 shots. I'm sorry, 42 saves and, and 40 saves in consecutive games against not so great teams, uh, might I add in in Vancouver and Edmonton that it's just it can't be it's it's unacceptable actually you know be, to be frank absolutely well going to the record here they're 24 23 and 6 they have played 53 games or 29 left they sit 6th in the metro 12 points out of first 8 points out of third and due to the blue jackets win last night they're 7 points out of the second wild card spot a pretty hotly contested second wild card spot as well their playoff odds at the moment are at 4.3% Though, I have to say, it does feel like there's a lot better chance than 4.3%. Uh, yeah, there's a, a lot. I mean, I, I don't necessarily buy into that stuff because anything can happen through the course of the, the season, I think. Uh, a team can play like, like crap the first half of the year like the Flyers did and then suddenly go on an eight-game win streak, and who's to say they can't win a couple more here? Um between them and the playoffs, it's it's basically just Carolina and and Columbus right now, isn't it? I believe uh, Buffalo's hanging around. And, as and well. Buffalo's yeah. in there. You're right. Yep. So uh, they're four points behind Carolina and Buffalo. Uh, Carolina actually, I don't want to say they looked good. Because I, I did watch them play Pittsburgh last night. Pittsburgh looked like garbage, man. They they looked. I don't know how they come out and they always play us tough because they looked terrible <laughs> against Carolina. Um, so I, it's it's definitely possible. Um, when I, when I said on the, on our first show, I was kind of half, half joking because I wanted to kind of be positive, <laughs> but uh, I mean, eight wins in a row. I don't think that's a fluke. I mean, everything that we said before about Carter Hart, um, inspiring this team to play better, I think is true. Um, now it's time to raise the standard a little bit and, and make a couple tweaks and, and let's make a playoff run. Why not? Well, you know, talking about playoff runs, you kind of touched upon it uh, with the Hurricanes. The Flyers have been receiving quite a bit of help from the Metropolitan Division teams. Capitals, I believe, have lost 10 of their last 11, or uh, uh, 9 of their last 11, rather. I believe Penguins have been slowing down. Blue Jackets are playing some 500 hockey after they were on a hot streak. Carolina is a pretty wishy-washy team. Islanders uh, are still somehow in first place in the Metro. You got the Sabres who have slowed down tremendously uh, recently as well. So in terms of a playoff spot, they may have a chance. You know, I think the Flyers, they have to win some crazy amount of games uh, for the, I have that written down somewhere. Um, they need to go 28 and one to hit 95 points, which is the 
quote-unquote recommended for the playoffs. So yeah, it still looks like a pretty long shot, you know, to win like 75% of their games, but it's not pace. out of the question. They're on pace. They're a quarter of the way there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, on to Carter Hart. He has played 16 games. He's a 248 GAA and a 925 save percentage. Given his hot play thus far, his name has appeared in the Calder rumors. Do you think he has a legitimate shot at winning? Absolutely. Uh, Elias uh, Patterson has had a great season. Uh, I think he's got 46 points in about 41 or 42 games, something like that. But he hasn't done what Carter Hart has done uh, for the Flyers. And uh, you almost... Uh, you kind of wish that maybe Hart was up here a little earlier to, to be um, – maybe that would have helped him out a little bit. But in 16 games played, he's changed the entire team, the entire mentality of the team. As a 20-year-old kid playing goalie in probably the, the toughest city to play goalie, um, I think he has a legitimate shot as long as he keeps playing this way and, and hopefully the Flyers can help him out. I think his name's going to be around. I don't think he's going to win. I, I said this last night. I think it's Elias Pettersson's to lose at this point. He has 24 goals and 47 points through 43 games. I, I think, I, you know, I'm not a big fan of the NHL awards. I think a lot of that stuff is always uh, predetermined in a sense. You know, we kind of knew who was going to win, you know, the Calder for quite a few years in a row now. So I, I don't think he's going to win. I think he has a legitimate shot if he drags the play or drags the Flyers into the playoffs. Other than that, I think his name's going to be thrown around, but I don't think he's going to win. Yeah, yeah, you could be right. I, I, that's probably more likely. Um, yeah. Well, Carter Hart is not the only flyer that has been playing well lately. Nolan Patrick, who uh, quite a few weeks ago, a couple months to start the season, people were starting to call him a bust. But lately, he has been getting better. He has five goals and three assists during this win streak. He has ten goals and nine assists on the season. Still not... Uh, the numbers that we would like to see from him overall, but he does seem to be flashing that brilliance that we all kind of know he has inside of him. Absolutely. So he seems to be gaining confidence with, with each passing game. And uh, I think the game, he, he had the overtime winner against Edmonton. Um, you know what I loved about that is after he missed the net in regulation and he went and destroyed his stick or whatever he did, I was happy to see that. I was happy to see some passion. Um, anger is not always a bad thing, people. If, if you're angry, all it does is mean it means you care. You know, um, if he was to skate back to the bench, be like, ah, oh, you know, who gives a, a whatever, that would have probably pissed me off because he had a, a wide open net staring him in the face, and then he got angry about it. He came back in the overtime and he showed some character. He came out, he scored the game winning goal. That proved a lot, at least for myself. Because uh, it could have been very easy to sulk after that. And he came out, he busted his ass, and he got the game winner. Uh, I think that extended the streak to seven games. Um, let me see, what else do I have here? Oh, so his ice time. I think I mentioned in one of the previous shows that his ice time kind of took a dip in the last couple weeks. So he's back up to playing uh, about 16 minutes a game. In three of his last four games, he's playing 16 minutes uh, and he finally scored a, a power play point. He had an assist against Vancouver. That's his first power play point of the year. Um, so maybe maybe he really is turning a corner. Again, the kid's only 20, and I think a lot of us forget about that uh, because he was the second overall pick. And he, he's a big guy. He's not a, he's not a little dude. 
Um, you could definitely see he's, he's playing with more uh, jump out there, more jam, if you will, um, which is good to see. It is good to see. Uh, I think that he needs to find some kind of consistency. And, and I think it's going to be, if I was Chuck Fletcher, one of the big things I would do, uh, whether at the trade deadline or uh, over the summer, is try and find him somebody to play with that can really complete his game. I think he and Lindblom are a good duo. Uh, last season, towards the end of the year, he was on a line with uh, Lindblom and Voracek, who had a lot of offensive potential, but nothing ever really became of it. They never really scored a whole lot. They had all kinds of chances, but they never really scored. I think one of his, uh, one of Fletcher's biggest needs is to find him a good winger that is not named Jake Voracek to really kind of help complete his game and help him to that next level. That's a really good point. Yeah. And I, like you said on the last show, he's got to find pieces that work with the young guys that he has so that they can uh, develop together for in the future. That was a great point, by the way. Well, uh, Nolan Patrick, not the only center that's taken a little step forward. Sean Couturier, who had his breakout year last year, everybody thought he would continue that hot streak to start this year. Didn't necessarily happen from the first game of the season to New Year's Day. He had 14 goals and 14 assists through 36 games. Since January 1st, he has 7 goals and 9 assists. He has 5 straight games with a point. That is uh, 2 goals and 3 assists. Finally seeming to kind of get a little bit of offensive confidence back, some scoring touch back. He has kind of been spending some time on the second line in favor of Giroux uh, reclaiming the first line center. I think some of that, taking some of that responsibility off his shoulders, and same goes for Nolan Patrick, kind of just moving him down a little bit, taking some of that huge responsibility off their shoulders has helped Couturier refine his game. Yeah, so I did a little... Uh... I went back to January 8th, which was their last pretty much brutal loss. I think it was to Washington, 5-3. Um, that's a span of about 11 games. He has six goals, nine assists. And get this, three power play goals and three power play assists. So he's he's been a big part of the power play uh, coming back to life. Um, he's on pace. I mean, he actually already has back-to-back 20-goal seasons with potential for back-to-back 30-goal seasons. Like, who who would have thought, if, if you would have told me that Sean Couturier two years ago was going to be a, a, a potential 30-goal scorer every year, a 70-point guy, I would, I would have laughed in your face. But, you know, he seems to be getting better and better. Uh, how old is he now? He's only 25, 26, something like that. 26. He just turned 26 in December. So I would say he's just entering his prime. Um yeah, I like what I'm seeing from Coots. I think he he stay he's a what's the word? He's a stabilizer. He's he he's very consistent. Uh, he's responsible with the puck. He, he plays well in the offensive zone. Um, and I think he's he's perfect pair with Giroux right now. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to be negative, guys. So everybody relax. I usually <laughs> like my centers with a, a little That's bit. That's the name more. of the show. <laughs> I like my I like my centers with a little bit more creativity, especially if they're the number one guy. Um, but, but Couturier gets the job done. I, I think a guy like G playing next to him really compliments him well, and, and it seems to be working out. Well, uh, Couturier sits at 21 goals and 44 points through 51 games, not quite on pace to hit his 76 from last season, but, uh, the pot, the, he will more than likely, assuming that he keeps pace, will hit 30 goals for the second straight season, more than likely, maybe... High 60, maybe 70 points if he gets there. But I, I think that, you know, the slow start, 
was not just him, it was the whole team. I think that he's starting to find his way. I think his continued development is crucial for this team moving forward, especially with the moving pieces. And again, I think finding some help down the middle to alleviate some of the pressure put on him to be that top offensive guy could definitely help his play because he is a very good two-way forward. And I think uh, same goes for Nolan Patrick. I think if you kind of let him play his defensive game and bring in somebody just off the top of my head, like a Matt Duchesne to come in and say, hey, you're going to play second-line center, go out there and carry the offense, then you can have guys like Couturier be better by playing their own game and thus the team gets better around them. Yeah, I totally agree. Matt Duchesne would be amazing on this team. Um, let me throw a name out. Yeah, maybe not. It won't happen during this season, but possibly during the off season. Who knows? Um, Chuck Fletcher has ties to Minnesota. What do you think about a guy like Eric Stahl kind of grooming uh, Nolan Patrick along a little bit? Well, you hit the right name. I loved Eric Stahl as a kid. He was my favorite non-flyer. I was a huge Hurricanes fan growing up, so I'm going to be able to rant and rave about this guy now forever. I was a huge proponent of them signing Eric Stahl quite a few years back, and he was on a restricted free agent after his time in uh, New York ended. You know, he is starting to slow down. He has uh, 17 goals and 37 points in 52 games, but I think at this point, at 34, you know, I don't know how much left he has, how much he has left in the tank, but I think as a guy to bring in as a third, fourth line center who can just you know, more or less share his experience at this point with guys like Patrick and uh, Couturier and Konechny too, while I'm at it, you know, I think he can come in and really be kind of the leader on this team. You know, the Flyers put an extra emphasis on finding somebody like uh, Eric Stahl, you know, those really good kind of character guys that could come in and help. Uh, I don't think he would be uh, requiring a whole lot of money. Let's pull up his contract here. He is uh, making 3.5 million. He was on a three-year 10.5 deal that paid in 3.5. So clearly, I don't think it's going to be about the money at this point. Again, I don't know how much left he's in the tank, but if you can bring him in for a year or two, not only would my childhood dreams be complete, but I think that he would be, I think he'd be good with the kids. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say that, that Eric Stahl and Nolan Patrick, their game, I, I think is, is similar. Obviously I, I'm not comparing Nolan Patrick to Eric Stahl skill wise, but I think he could, he could groom him along and Nolan Patrick's a baby. He's 20 years old. He can't even legally have a, a beer. So I mean, <laughs> We're putting all these expectations on these guys, and they're they're literally they're, they're kids. They they need someone to to bring them along, show them how to be a pro. And that's not to say Claude Giroux is not doing that, but you know he's got a lot of responsibility. He's carrying a team on his back as it is. Well, actually, I don't know how we didn't open the show with this news, but Yori Laterra finally <laughs> put on waivers this morning. <sighs> what a relief! Dale Weiss hey. is gone. Yori Laterra is gone. Next is Andrew McDonald. If there is a god, that'll happen soon. Laterra is gone. Maybe gone. At least he has to clear waivers. I don't think anybody's going to pick him up. I believe his contract is a 4.7 for the rest of the season. So that's an ungodly contract for this guy. Hopefully they send him down. He rots in the AHL for the next four months, and then they move on from him in the summer. Could you imagine if somebody picked up Jory Laterra? Oh, God. Minnesota needs a center. Yeah, I mean, they already paid out the nose for Victor Rask, so maybe they would. Uh... <laughs> I see what you did there. I see what you did, and I like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, the Phantoms are loaded now. They have Dale Weiss and uh, 
Dory Laterra on their first line, oh, making a, a run for the playoffs. I'm going to the Phantoms game this weekend, so I'm going to get to watch Yuri Laterra play live in person for the first time. Whoa! There you go, man. There so you excited! Go. Fan. <laughs> oh, God. Get an autograph. Oh, yeah. Get on a dollar bill. I, I know. I had so many jokes to say there, but I didn't think they were <laughs> Well, the move, obviously, we'll probably know more tomorrow if whether he clears waivers or not, but there has been no other move in the meantime, meaning that they do not have an extra forward, uh, which is, again, we'll probably know more tomorrow. They'll probably call somebody up. Uh, Corbin uh, Corbin Knight has been skating. Samuel Moran has been skating, both of which uh, will probably see a rehab stint at some point before they come back. Um, So I don't know what the plan is yet, but probably one of the younger guys in the AHL will be given a chance. Uh, I do not know who is healthy and who is not off the top of my head, but I can look that up here. But if there was one guy that would get the call up, who would you want it to be? For some reason, the first guy that that popped into my head was, was Vecchione. There's that's the I think that's the biggest thing with the Phantoms at the moment is the Flyers have a lot of prospects, but they're not necessarily in the AHL. You know they have a lot of guys that are still in juniors. The Morgan Frost and Ratcliffs are still in juniors. The Phantoms, uh, especially as far as offense, don't have a ton of guys that could call up, and especially don't have a ton of guys that could make a big splash. You know Abe Kubel is a guy, you know, I would like to see given another shot, a real shot, because he didn't really have a chance under Dave Haxtell. Uh, you know, Rubsov is currently injured. Uh, and Mike Vecchioni, I do like Vecchioni. I've always liked him more than most. A lot of the analytics-minded uh, analytics, uh, guys do not seem to like him too much. But I've always liked him. I think that he never really has gotten a shot at the NHL. Again, I think at this point, I kind of touched upon this last night with Carey uh, as well, that at this point in the season, whether it's playoff-bound or not, this team needs to start looking through what they have and assessing the players because that is where Hextall overall failed was assessing the players that he already has on the team yeah i don't see why they you know that you could say that they're in a perfect position honestly because they can go both ways you know they can make the playoff push and they can still sub a, a young guy in like albe kubel uh they could give a guy like vecchione a shot uh even a guy like carson Torinsky, who i had on the angry gym show a couple weeks ago uh is a left winger left-handed shot 6'2, 198 um, pop him in on the fourth line, see what the kid can do. Maybe he'll add a little, a little bit more energy. Um, and then there, there's obviously guys like Phil Myers who, who can come up. Uh, let me see who else do we have on here. We mentioned Vecchione. Uh, Albe Kubel. Can I, I, I actually like the way that he played when he was up in the, in the preseason. And, I think uh, he his, played great. Yeah. In his short stint during the season, he's a solid, the thing is, we have to temper some of our expectations with some of the younger guys because just because they're they're a prospect or they're drafted a little bit higher, and a, a guy like Scott Lawton could be an example, um, who was drafted I think around the twentieth pick, something 20, like yep. that. Um, he is what he is, and and he plays. He's a third line guy, and he, he plays the position well. Uh, so with when Albe Kubel's up, if he adds energy, if if he uh, if he's tough along the boards, if he's tough to play against, uh, he's responsible with the puck, those kind of things, uh, then then in my mind, he, he's playing very well. When he was up, he looked like he belonged. He looked like he, he was comfortable. He just, uh, you know, under Hextall, he didn't get the, the time. He really didn't get a chance. I, I guess because they were still they were still in it, quote-unquote, at the time. 
But uh, I would love to see him up now under under Gordon just to just to see how he would use him. I'll make you. Bell played nine games, uh, seeing about four or five minutes a night. You know, I, I yeah, he was four ten, four fifty nine, six forty one, five thirty six, five ten. So uh, not a whole lot of ice time, but uh, he looked good pretty much every shift he had. But again, under Dave Haxtell, he did not have any real shot at making it. I think at this point, not only does he have a shot under Scott Gordon, who knows him well, but Yori Laterra and Dale Weiss are gone. Those guys, those anchors that are dragging him down. I think he does have a chance to come up and at least try and prove himself for the rest of the season. Absolutely. I don't think there's any reason not to. Like I said, they're in the perfect spot because they are in a race for the playoffs. I don't think a guy like a guy like Albe Kubel, I mean, they're giving up 40 shots a game already. Uh, sorry to be negative there. A guy, I don't think a guy like Albe Kubel is going to cost you any games, knock on wood, you know? We're just going to change the name of the show to, like, Positive and Happy from now on. <laughs> yeah, forgive me for being negative, guys. Stop for, I know they're on an eight-game winning streak, all right? Sue me. No, just kidding. Don't. We had, don't. Yeah, we had all season to be angry and negative, but we start the show and they start playing well. Yeah, it's it's the, the negative, the net. Uh, two jinxes equal. There you jinx go. is the jinx. Oh, uh, well, on the horizon, it does seem like Brian Elliott is Gearing up for a return, though his return date is still unclear. I don't know where he fits in at this point. I, I think uh, Carter Hart is starter Hart now. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think there would be a full-on revolution by the fans if they sent him down for the rest of the season. For Brian Elliott, could you imagine? Yeah. Uh, I, I like Stolarz. I think he needs a shot at the NHL. I think he does. Uh, he has looked good. When he's up here, obviously, uh, his first stint before he got injured this season was during the Flyers' really bad losing streak. So his numbers aren't great, but he looked good. He had the uh, big shutout against the Rangers. He is going to play tomorrow night against the Kings. I think those two should stay for the rest of the season. I think that puts Elliott as the odd man out. What would you do with Brian Elliott at this point? First and foremost, I'd make sure that he's 100% healthy. I don't think there's any reason to rush him back. The guy's 33 years old, uh, going into his. He'll be 34 by the time the season's done. Uh, he's going into free agency after the year. Um, you know, I use him to mentor the younger guys if that's the kind of guy he is. He doesn't really strike me as that kind of guy, to tell you the truth. Um, I, I had the chance to speak to Ryan Boyd of uh, Philly Sports Network last week, and he said there he's as good as gone. He doesn't see him coming back, uh, even even the play during the season. Um, I, I kind of do though. I, I kind of can see him playing every once in a while. Um, I don't think they're necessarily in a, a terrible situation having three healthy goalies in Hart, Stolarz, and, and Elliott if he is indeed healthy when he comes back. Um, if they could figure out some kind of a, a rotation where Hart plays maybe two, three games and Stolarz gets in, and Hart two, three games and Elliott, something like that, uh, then I'm, I'm fine with that as long as Hart is getting six or seven out of the ten starts. Uh, you know, yeah, you know, I, 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 I we talked about this last <laughs> night as well. I, I, I don't know, you know, Stolarz was put on waivers and cleared once already this season. That was before he played any games. Um, now that he is showing that potential again, obviously his health, uh, long term health, is, his knee injury is obviously the big uh, question mark, not only for the Flyers, but any team that's willing to pick him up. I, I don't think Elliot is going anywhere. I think that 
they're probably going to keep him. I would be surprised if they carried three goalies, but they might for the rest of the season, you know, just to uh, keep him. I, I, unless they do for a trade, I don't uh, know off the top of my head if any of the playoff teams really need a goalie. But if you are in that position, you know, at the trade deadline, Elliot. I don't think he's been fully healthy for probably well over a year now. I think last year uh, when he had his abdomen injury in the first place, he missed, I don't remember when that injury was off the top of my head, but he missed quite a bit of time. He was rushed back for the playoffs, got hurt again, looked absolutely atrocious because he wasn't ready, had cleanup surgery in the summer, came back, probably wasn't ready again to start this season. He fell into the Dave Haxtell system of running one goaltender into the ground. He's been out for a month and a half now. I think Hart has played well in his place. Stolarz has played well in his place. I don't see a place for uh, Brian Elliott moving forward. But I think that they're probably going to keep him for a spot start here or there unless he gets moved to the trade deadline. Right, and I'm wondering if that's the only reason that Fletcher mentioned that he's he's available to play during the upcoming, upcoming, like it's upcoming, but it's it's towards the end of February is the Flyers' next road trip. Uh, I think it's against Columbus, New Jersey, and uh, New York Islanders. Um, so I, I'm wondering if, I mean, that's what, two, three weeks away? I wonder if he, he is try, he's looking to move Elliott. I know Toronto could use a, a, a backup goalie, something like that. I'm not, I don't even care what they would get for him, but uh, I think it would be a better situation if he wasn't here. And, and like we said before, that, when, <clears throat> that Hart and Stolarz could be the, the two guys. Well, talking about the upcoming schedule, the Flyers play the Kings tomorrow. They play the Ducks on Saturday. Penguins, Wild, a home-and-home with the Red Wings. Lightning, Canadians, Penguins, uh, Sabres, Blue Jackets to wrap up this month. How much longer do you think this win streak can go? Forever. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not not moving off of that, man. They, They look, you know... Just keep winning, because I'm looking at this schedule here. They have Los Angeles tomorrow. Los Angeles has won three out of four. Uh, they beat St. Louis. They beat the Rangers 4-3, uh, and they mopped the floor with the Devils last night, 5-1. Uh, Kovalchuk ended up scoring in New Jersey, which I loved. Um, and I think they they lost somewhere in there. I can't remember to who. Uh, oh, they, they lost to the Islanders. So um, actually, it should be a good game, because they, I guess they're coming in with some steam, but uh, it should be a it should be a win for the Flyers. Their next game against the Anaheim Ducks, dude. Have you seen what the Ducks have been doing? Oh yeah. Dude, like I'm looking at their schedule and it's it's all red. It's all losses. Yep. Like this is this is pitiful. And, and I have uh, I have John Gibson in in a dynasty league. They um, played the Jets last week in their first game back. Six goals in the first period he gave up. Gave up. <laughs> <laughs> I had like negative 20 points and I'm, I'm looking here. They haven't scored. They haven't scored over. They've scored over two goals once in their last like 10 games. Like, could you imagine what would happen here? Oh my God. The ducks are just terrible. I could go. Oh my God. <laughs> it just keeps going red, man. So uh, I have them winning at least the next two. Uh, and then they have Pittsburgh. And I think that's the Monday game. Yes. So I see them ten and zero, coming coming home to play Pitt, and uh, I see eleven and zero, and I see them playing Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota just lost Miko Koivu. Uh, they're not as good as maybe they started out in the beginning of the year. I see twelve and zero, 
Then they play Detroit home and home. It's, it's Detroit, right? My yep. my schedule got a little mixed up here. Uh, I see thirteen and zero. I see fourteen and zero. And then there's one more. I put Detroit three times here. It's Who's a that? Tampa last one? Bay. All right. Yeah. So fourteen. Oh, you know what? Fifteen and zero. <laughs> and they win that game seven nothing. Well, there you go. The Ducks. John Gibson is a perfect example of a guy that played out of his mind good for so long this year, and at some point he just can't carry the whole team anymore. He's been lit up left and right lately, and uh, the Ducks have been just a complete free fall out in the West. And I believe they're still, I don't think they're in a playoff spot, but I believe they're still within striking distance of a playoff spot, even though they've lost so many games, which is absolutely insane. But yeah, I, I believe the Flyers... Moving forward, they should beat the Kings, they should beat the Ducks, hopefully they beat the Penguins, they should probably beat the Wild, they should sweep the floor with the Red Wings twice, that Tampa Bay game is a scary one, considering that that could be the first round of the playoffs, if the Flyers sneak in, it's probably going to be in the second wildcard spot, Lightning, uh, I don't think they've uh, officially secured it yet, but the first place in the East is as good as theirs, all things considered, Uh, I think that... That could be a tough game. I think that would be a tough series for the Flyers. Um, but at this point, uh, this win streak could, you know, looking at the schedule, it there's no real games, at least until Tampa, which is on uh, February 19th, that look like any real kind of roadblock. No, I mean, An- Anaheim can't score on a, on a, an emergency goal. They can't score on a beer league goal. Like, they're going to they're gonna score two on Carter Hart now. Pittsburgh, uh, for whatever, I mean, obviously they always get up to play the Flyers. I, I watched them play last night, like I mentioned earlier, they, they look like hot garbage. Um, uh, who else did I want to say here? Minnesota looked, uh, uh, man, I had a I had a team that I wanted to talk about there. Oh, oh Tampa Bay. So we actually took them to, to overtime twice. I think we had to come back from a couple goals, but we did come back. I'd be interested now to see um, how the Carter, Carter Hart effect would would change uh, versus change the Flyers against a team like Tampa Bay. Um, do they start different? Do they play different throughout the game? Are they more relaxed, more comfortable? Um, do they play a complete 60 minutes? Because, I mean, it, we could say that they are going to get their doors blown off, but they took two out of four points. Both losses, obviously, but it's better than none. Tampa Bay is sitting at 81 points. They are 39-11-3 Good lord. That is some pretty good hockey. They have 81 points, which is uh, 14 above second place Toronto. So uh, I don't think they're going to give up that spot anytime soon. They are uh, 15 points ahead of the first place Metropolitan Division Islanders. So It's like, uh, it's like NHL 19 stuff there. Yeah, there's a very huge gap in, uh, in talent difference there. I still think they're eventually going to lose in the playoffs just because that's what they do. But at least for the time being, I think it's going to be an interesting one. Uh, other Flyers news. The Flyers became the second fastest NHL team to 2,000 wins. The first non-original six franchise to hit that mark. The Habs were the fastest. The Flyers got there quicker than all the other original five franchises by at least 187 games. It's an interesting stat because I think in the current uh, landscape of the Flyers and during the Hextall era, we've all been so adept to losing games i think it is very easy to forget that this is a wealth of winning as far as the overall franchise is concerned yeah and you know since i'm 31 years old and the flyers have 
for the most part, always made the playoffs. They've been in the playoffs for the majority of, of my life, and that's what, what we've become accustomed to seeing, the Flyers. We've become accustomed to seeing playoff hockey. Um, I look forward to it every year. When they don't make it, it's like a shock. Like, okay, now what do we do? Um, so to see them hit the 2,000 win mark, uh, for me, it was something cool to, to see, especially to be the second fastest team only to the, the Habs. And, you know, they're, they're the, the best. They're, they're like the, the king of hockey, the, the Habs. So to be second, the second fastest to reach that mark above the five other expansion or the five other original six teams, I think it's pretty cool. You know, some, some guys and, you know, people out there might think it's surprising since our show is the angry negative show. But some guys out there are like, oh, yeah. You know, I would trade that any day for cups, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, so would I do. But it's still cool to acknowledge uh, 2,000 wins is the second fastest in any other team in NHL history. Like, it's pretty cool. So I think you could still be proud of that and, and still hope to win Stanley Cups. Like, chill the hell out. Yeah, you know, I think at this point it is a pretty cool record. Speaking of records, Carter Hart became the fourth goaltender in NHL history to record a win streak at, uh, of at least seven games prior to his 21st birthday. He joins Carey Price, Tom Barrasso, and Jocelyn Tebow as the only other players to accomplish that. If he wins his next start, which would be assuming against Anaheim on uh, Saturday, he would be tied with Jocelyn Tebow for first place if he wins his following start. Uh, which would be nine straight games, he would be the youngest goaltender of all time to have a nine-game win streak. I think that just continues to attest to Carter Hart and how talented this kid is. Yeah, he's going to do it. He's going to hit nine. He may hit 10. He may hit 11. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I, I, they play Detroit and then Tampa Bay. So I, I'm going to say 11 is where it goes. I think he's just going to keep winning. He's He's too good. He's the man. He, he absolutely is. It's really, truly amazing watching Carter Hart play. I played goaltender growing up. It was my favorite position. Marty Brodeur, sorry Flyers fans, Marty Brodeur is my favorite player of all time. Um, I just, I, I've always been a fan of the position, and it's been a long, long time since I've seen somebody just as technically gifted as Carter Hart is. There are so few people that, are as positionally sound as he is. And and I think that's what's most incredible, is that he's 20 years old and he's playing just out of his mind good. Alex Lyon got called up at the end of last year, and everybody's like, oh my god, it's Alex Lyon! And he just, he's so positionally bad. He just, technically he's not a good goaltender at all, and everybody was freaking out that this is going to be the next guy, and he's the guy, and it's just not happening. I think Hart's the guy, I think we talked about this last week as well, about all the other uh, goaltending prospects that they have coming up over the next, you know, three, four, five years. This is going to be a very, very good team in net for a very long time to come. Yeah, when you look at the core of this team, there's, they're all under like 23, 24 years old. And I just hope, I hope that they can develop quick enough so a, a guy like Claude Giroux can, can lift the cup. Uh, I think he's 29, 30 years old. So if, the, if it takes these guys two years to develop, he'll be 32. He doesn't have, uh, knock on wood, Claude, because we, we all love you, but he doesn't have that much more time. And I hope he does, but you know, usually around 32, 33, a guy like him starts flaming out a little bit. So... Hopefully within the next two, three years, some of these guys start to develop a little bit more. Patrick will be 21, 22, a guy like Konechny. Um, some of these defensive guys, Provorov, Sandheim, uh, Myers will be up. And, and Carter Hart. Like, What amazes me is he's 20 years old, and we, we're, we're not even touching the surface. Like, 
he's going to get better. Like that's what blows my mind. He's 20 years old. He's amazing. I've never seen a goalie like this for the Flyers in my life, and he's only 20 years old. Like he can only get better. Like how can you not be excited for that? That's impossible. So, Jim, uh, it has been another fun episode of the Anger Negative Show. We will probably talk sometime next week as well. Where can these good people find you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Jim underscore FHW. Uh, I do a podcast every Thursday, FHW Radio, uh, with Jack underscore FHW. And you can find me on Sundays, Angry Jim Podcast. I'm having a, a guest on Thursday, actually. Uh, Alex on 11th will be on. So we look forward to that. And I hope you guys listen in. Well, that is right. You can find me at Danley Flyer Fan. You can find the site at Brotherly Puck. If you want to listen to this show and all the others, you can find that at Brotherly underscore pod. If you want to count down Carter Hart's wins with me until he passes Martin Brodeur for first place in history, you can do that at Hart Countdown. Brand new episode of a uh, O&B Puckcast as well, recorded last night with the fourth period's Anthony DeMarco as our guest. Uh, new episode, Brotherly Pod, recorded last night with uh, Carrie Lee of Flyers Twitter fame. Uh, he was a great interview, so if you have not listened to that yet, get there and listen to it. Uh, that is going to be it for the Angry and Negative show. We will talk to you next week. Hopefully, uh, this positive and cheery again. The, uh, <laughs> the uh, positive and happy show here is going to be hey, the this, new name. This time next week, 11-game winning streak is yeah, there, going to be. <laughs> there you go. It'll be a fun one. We will talk to you then. But for now, goodbye. Talk to you next week.